0: I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about how far you can run with your dog. And we're also going to be talking about really important summer topics like how to avoid heat stroke. We'll be right back after these messages. Listeners, I'd love to introduce you to PetPlate.com. They deliver freshly cooked human-grade dog food right to your door. I'm talking about dog food that is so high quality that even us humans could technically eat it. I've been feeding Pet Plate to my pup for the last two weeks and it's perfect for my picky pup and perfect for me since I'm so busy. So if you want something super healthy, really tasty, and ready to serve, go to PetPlate.com forward slash spot to get 30% off your first box. Once again, that's PetPlate.com forward slash spot to get 30% off your first box. P-E-T-P-L-A-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Super excited to talk about summer things. It's been really cold. We've had a super long winter in Minnesota, about six months worth, and we just had a blizzard about a month ago. So I am so glad for summer to be here. Now, I'm often asked, since I'm a runner and I have a dog and I'm a veterinarian, how far can I run with my dog? Now, I love when people run or jog with their dog because it's fantastic exercise. Not only does it mentally and physically stimulate your dog, but it helps keep both you and your dog in shape. There have been plenty of studies out there that have shown that mental health, physical fitness, and the decrease in cardiovascular disease all occur when you walk your dog. So Really important that you walk or run with your dog, but a couple of things you need to be aware of. First of all, let's talk puppies. If you have a puppy, I want you to get it lots of exercise, but you do want to be careful overdoing it with a really young, fast-growing dog. And the reason why is if you're a mid-distance or long-distance runner, your puppy may act like it wants to run for a couple of miles. But beyond that, I actually worry about the injury to their growing cartilage. So just like how you're not going to jog or run with your toddler, your human toddler, it's the same exact thing with a young growing puppy. Certainly very, very happy and healthy to run around for a couple of blocks, maybe a mile, but anything above that, I really do say I want the growth plates, in other words, the parts of the bone that stimulate growth to be completely closed. And that typically doesn't occur till about 8, 9, 10 months, and it can take as long as a year, year and a half for those growth plates to stop growing. So if you have a very small dog, know that the growth plates usually close relatively early, about a year. If you have a huge dog like a Great Dane, unfortunately, the growth plates are going to take a lot longer to close. So I actually don't want you doing intensive running for more than a year. So approximately 15 to 16 months. Let me fill you in anyway. Great Danes don't like to run. So they're not going to run for a long time anyway. couple of important things to consider. If it's less than six months of age, okay to run again around the block, maybe a mile, but please take the time to walk your dog or slow jog with your puppy instead. As your dog becomes older, then it's totally fine to acclimate them to running. Now, the three biggest injuries that I see when people start to run with their dog include heat stroke, pad abrasions, and generalized soreness. If your dog is older, I do want you to exercise with your dog because it's a great way of keeping that weight off. It's a great way of stimulating them. But if your dog is underlying osteoarthritis, they can get really sore after running. So when in doubt, slowly acclimate them. Start with a mile the first week, Maybe move up to a mile and a half a few weeks later. Slowly move up to two, three miles after that. And always check with your veterinarian to make sure it's okay for your dog to exercise. Now, the majority of dogs, it's super safe too. But if they have underlying heart disease or really bad hip dysplasia, you always want to check with your veterinarian. Now, keep in mind, if I run more than five miles, I get sore. Sometimes I'll I'll need to take a drug called a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory like ibuprofen, commonly called Advil. We never want to give these over-the-counter medications to a dog. They are not safe for dogs. So you never want to give drugs like Advil, which is ibuprofen, or Aleve, which is naproxen. You never want to give that to a dog or a cat. Thankfully, there's veterinary non-steroidal anti-inflammatories out there. Drugs like carprofen, which is often called Rimidil, or Daramax, which is the drug Deracoxib. So a lot of different safe NSAIDs you can use in your dog. But when in doubt, check with your veterinarian. Now, when it comes to pad abrasions, I always tell people, if you're running with your dog so far that they actually abrade off their pads, That's way too far. Thankfully, dogs don't have pain sensation on their paw pads, which is why they can walk around without any problem. It's very similar to your nail bed, so a lot of keratin. However, if you're running miles and miles and you notice that the paw pads are braiding off or there's an injury to them, the underlying tissue underneath that is actually really soft and delicate and it can be painful. So, my general rule is when people ask me, How far can I run with my dog? Well, it's basically dependent on how fast you run. Now, in full disclosure, I'm a short distance or mid distance runner, so I don't run super fast. Yes, I can sprint a mile pretty quickly, but after that, I usually pace at a nine to 10 minute mile. And if I actually look at my dog, my dog isn't jogging. He's just walking fast. You can go for miles if you're running at a slower pace. But for those of you guys out there who are really fast runners, I'm going to encourage you to take it easy and monitor your dog really carefully. Check their paws, make sure they're not getting sore. And if you are noticing paw abrasions, no more running with your dog. It's going to take weeks for those paw pads to become healed. And so when in doubt, you want to avoid it to begin with. Now, There are a couple of different types of products that some people will use to put on the paws to help prevent any kind of pad abrasion. I know a lot of runners use this. I personally don't recommend using these. It can decrease the grip that your dog has and your dog doesn't like having a lot of these products put on their pads. So instead, definitely exercise your dog, but not to the point that they get pad abrasions. The second thing I wanted to talk about Is Again, having that dog with osteoarthritis or orthopedic problems, it's a great way of keeping pounds off. So slow jogging with your dog or even swimming with them is a fantastic way. Please try to run slower though. Try to take a slower pace if you have an older dog. So this is typically greater than a nine minute mile. When you look at your dog while you're jogging with them, they're really just walking quickly. So there's actually less impact versus when they're full out running. And with that, there's less potential for soreness and stiffness. It's a great low impact sport when you slow jog with your dog or when you walk with your dog. So... Again, talk to your veterinarian about using non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. If you have a dog that's predisposed to hip dysplasia, you can still exercise them. And if they're young, I'm going to talk to you about recommending the drug glucosamine. This is totally benign. You can buy this at a, a natural or homeopathic store. You can buy it at GNC. Personally, I like the ones that are veterinary prescribed because I know there's a lot more research in certain products. So benign drugs like glucosamine, but if your dog is still sore, definitely talk to your veterinarian about prescription non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. My older dog, when he was about 10, 11 years of age, decided he didn't want to jog with me anymore. After about a mile, he would start lagging behind about 20 feet on a really long leash. And that's when I realized, you know what? Don't torture your dog just because you want to run. If you notice that your dog isn't pulling ahead of you on their leash and they're really dragging behind, your dog would rather sleep on the sofa and wait for you to come back and take them for a cool down walk. We'll continue with this really cool topic right after these messages from our sponsors. When Helen Brown ran away to New York City five years ago, she had no idea that a homeless cat with a punk rock haircut and enough catitude to light up the Empire State Building would be the one to teach her the true meaning of love and a forever home. In the tradition of her internationally best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, the amazing story of a rescue cat who inspired a community, is a heartwarming true story about a woman without an anchor a homeless cat without much hope, and finding a forever home in the city that never sleeps. Modern Cat Magazine calls Bono an uplifting tale about how everyone deserves love and a second chance. Bono by Helen Brown is on sale now everywhere. You know that feeling when you go to clean the litter box and it's a complete disaster? Yeah, we've got you covered. Introducing world's best cat litter, Zero Mass, the advanced litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. Zero Mass combines the concentrated power of corn with super absorbent plant fibers. Translation, scoop once and you're done. Find it at a pet store near you and save $2. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On a pet. Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLiferadio.com. Pet we Welcome back to ER Vet. Today we're talking about how far you can run with your dog and how to avoid certain medical problems that I see when people exercise with their dog a lot. We've already talked about generalized soreness. We've talked about pad abrasions. We've talked about taking it easy if you have a young, growing puppy. Their joints don't want all that exercise. The last important topic I wanted to talk about is heat stroke. When it comes to exercising your dog, keep in mind it's going to really depend on the temperature, the humidity, and the type of exercise. I'll also add in the breed of dog or the color of the fur of your dog. Now, the biggest, most dangerous temperature where I see heat stroke is actually at about 80 degrees. And I know that sounds crazy. You think, oh, 80 degrees is a perfect time to walk my dog or run with my dog. But you always want to check what the humidity level is. Now, if you live in an area where it's really hot and humid, it's 100 degrees and it's 80 degrees temperature wise Fahrenheit. I do worry that that's just approaching the temperature where it is too hot to run with your dog. I have this formula that I use when I work with sled dogs and if the temperature plus humidity are added together and they're greater than 150 degrees, it's likely too hot for your dog. So for example, if it's 75 degrees and it's 80% humidity, that totals 155. That's just approaching the point where it's too hot for a sled dog. Now, obviously, if you live in a pretty temperate area, that is generally a pretty safe number. But anything above 80 degrees, 80% humidity or 100% humidity, that is way too hot. This is also going to depend on the breed or type of dog that you have. Remember, dogs have fur. So you can imagine if you're running around with a fleece on, that is going to make you much less heat tolerant than if you're completely naked or just wearing a light T-shirt. If you have a really long haired dog, especially if they have dark fur like black fur, they're gonna overheat more. So, a black Newfoundland, they don't wanna exercise when it's 80 degrees out or 80% humidity. The second important factor is if your dog's in shape. Now, I see lots of German short hair pointers who are in excellent body condition. They've been running with their owners for the past five, eight, 10 years. They're in great shape. However, If you're just getting started, your dog happens to be obese, you really wanna take it easy. Because remember, those extra layers of fat actually make it harder for your dog to dissipate heat. They get hotter easier. And remember, dogs don't have good sweat glands. Instead, the way they're going to release their heat is by panting. If they're panting a lot, they're panting constantly, then that's a sign that they may be approaching heat stroke or get overheated. Remember, dogs only have tiny, small amounts of sweat pads on their paws, and so they don't release heat that well in comparison to humans. This also reminds me, if you have a dog who likes to chase balls and you're running with your dog, please do not let them carry the ball in their mouth. Why? Because they can't blow off their heat. If you just exercise with your dog and you're throwing the Frisbee to them or you're throwing the tennis ball to them, if they're really hot, they're going to pant to cool down. Well, your dog loves carrying his ball. And so if they have that big tennis ball in their mouth, they can't blow off that heat. So carry the toy for them instead. Remember, dogs don't know how to pace themselves appropriately. They're so excited to be playing and running. They oftentimes don't know when to limit themselves. And so you as a pet owner or you as a running partner have to be able to help them when it comes to this. The next important factor, ask yourself, does your dog snore at night? If your dog snores at night, he or she is probably brachiocephalic. That's a fancy veterinary term for it has a smushed face. So dogs like boxers, Shih Tzus, Pekingese, English Bulldogs, Bulldogs... All of these dogs typically snore at night. And the reason why is they have brachiocephalic syndrome. With brachiocephalic syndrome, that typically means four things. And it all occurs in their face or neck. They've been bred to have that adorable smushed face. But unfortunately, as a result, they have something called stenotic nares. Their nostrils are way too small. Don't worry, you can have surgery to fix this. And it's not so much a nose job, but it's actually opening the diameter of the nostrils so they can breathe better. The second syndrome of brachiocephalic syndrome is when they have too much tissue in their mouth. This is called averted saccules. And so near the voice box, there's too much redundant tissue and it sort of flips the wrong way. The third component of brachiocephalic syndrome is having an elongated soft palate. If you stick your finger in the roof of your mouth, you'll feel the ridges from the hard palate and then the soft palate. Unfortunately, in brachiocephalic dogs, they have a really, really, really long soft palate. And for that reason, that oftentimes will get trapped and all that extra tissue gets stuck near the voice box. that makes it much, much harder for your dog to breathe. The fourth and last component of brachiocephalic syndrome is having a tiny, tiny, small trachea. The trachea is basically made up of little pieces of cartilage that are held together by tissue. And unfortunately, in certain breeds of dogs, brachiocephalic dogs with the smushed face, they have a pencil small trachea, so they can't exchange oxygen as well as other dogs. So again, if you have one of those breeds that has that smushed face or brachiocephalic syndrome, they do not breathe well. They do not blow off heat well, and they're much more likely to overheat. Yes, we still want them to get exercise, but when in doubt, check with your veterinarian about this. Now, when it comes to avoiding heat stroke, there's a couple of tips that you can initiate. First of all, always run when it's cooler out. If you live in Florida or you live in the South where it's always hot and humid, make sure you're running or exercising your dog in the very early morning or the very late evening when it's cooler out. The second important factor is to carry water with you or run on a path where there's water. In other words, maybe you're running by a river or you're running by a lake where you could offer your dog some water or have them go into the water to cool down. The third important factor is run slower or make sure you're exercising at a velocity that is slow enough where your dog is not going to develop heat stroke. The biggest mistake I see is when people rollerblade with their dog. When you rollerblade, it takes very little exertion for you to go, but it takes a lot of energy for your dog to keep up with you. Your dog is in a full out sprint when you're rollerblading. It's okay to rollerblade with your dog if it's cool out, You offer water, they can keep up with you, they're not abrading their paws off, but take it easy. They can't go very long when you're rollerblading. Same thing with bicycles. It doesn't take very much to bicycle one mile for you, but that's a lot more energy for your dog. And I always worry dogs are gonna get tangled in bicycles. So just be a little bit careful. Now, a third way you can avoid heat stroke is by running on the shady side of the road. Don't run in full sun. If you have the option of running on a shadier side or a shadier path, absolutely do that. Now, I do want you guys to be aware, heat stroke can be deadly, even with aggressive therapy and treatment at the ER vet, with a criticalist taking care of their dog, the prognosis can be really poor. Because what happens if your dog's body is overheated, and remember, a dog's normal temperature is 100 to 102.5, maybe 103 degrees when they're really excited, with heat stroke, their temperature goes above 105, 106, 107, 108. In fact, I have a medical thermometer, it doesn't even go above 108 degrees Fahrenheit. And I've had dogs come in where their temperature is so high, it doesn't even register on their thermometer. The first thing you want to do is know what signs to avoid. If you notice that your dog is vomiting or pulling behind you, they're falling behind on the run, they're really lethargic, they're constantly panting. If you look at their gums and they're really dark red or dark pink, That's a sign your dog is getting heat stroke. If you put your hands on the side of their elbows over the heart and you feel like the heartbeat is really, really elevated, if you notice that they're getting really watery stool, they're having difficulty breathing, they're trying to lie down or they collapse, they're having difficulty breathing, these are all signs of heat stroke and it may be too late. So when in doubt, watch for those signs carefully. Make sure you avoid those signs. Make sure you avoid running in really hot temperatures. Again, easiest ways to prevent it are to exercise your dog early in the morning or really late at night. Make sure it's not too humid for you to exercise your dog. Make sure you have access to water. Worst case scenario, Run to a neighbor's house and use their hose to cool down your dog. I do not recommend putting them on ice because that's not a safe way to cool down your dog. Call your veterinarian right away. Get to your vet when in doubt. But you definitely want to keep your pet safe when it comes to exercising them and avoiding heat stroke. So how far can you run with your dog? Well, there's no simple answer. It's not just two miles. Or five miles. It's going to depend on so many factors. Again, it's going to depend on how long the fur is, what color their coat is, whether or not they have an airway problem. In other words, if they're brachiocephalic and have that smushed face, it's going to depend on how obese they are. It's going to depend on how well they can blow off their heat. Remember to keep a close eye on your dog and always slowly acclimate them into running. They may not want to run six to 10 miles with you. Now, don't get me wrong. There's certain breeds that to them running six to 10 miles is awesome exercise. All the working dogs like a German short hair pointer, a pointer. Even smaller dogs like Jack Russell Terriers, these dogs love to run. My one little hint that I also wanted to mention is I have always rescued Pitbull Terriers and they have a lot of muscle. Keep in mind, really muscular dogs, they're not long distance runners. Just like that big weightlifter in the gym, they don't like to run a marathon. So what I've clinically noticed as a veterinarian is that really muscular dogs like greyhounds, boxers. Great Danes, Pit Bulls, American Bulldogs, they don't wanna go for miles. They might wanna run one or two miles, but they're more short distance runners. So keep in mind, the more muscular your dog, you may think they wanna exercise more, but some of them are quite lazy and just wanna go a few miles. Remember, go slow with your dog. If you're gonna run with your dog, Always keep a close eye on your dog to see if they're walking fast versus if they're actually sprinting. And the longer they sprint, the more exertion it's going to take. So it's great exercise, but always make sure to keep your dog safe. Talk to a veterinarian, or you can always email me too. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at Dr. Justine Lee, or email me at drjustine at With that, we're out of time, and don't forget... Run and exercise with your dog, but keep them safe and help avoid that heat stroke. We'd like to thank Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. And we'll see you at the next episode. Let's talk pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.